with CP Podcast listeners. This is your host, Julia. Um, today is January 20th. It's Friday. Um, it's currently 12.53 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm actually in Alabama today. Um, I'm in Montgomery, Alabama on the January 2023 Foundations Learning Tour. Uh, we're in a group of about 40 people. And today I have a really special guest with us, Bob Zellner, who is a really famous American civil rights hero. He's done a lot of work for the movement. And today, um, I just wanted him to have have him on the podcast to share some of his stories. He's, it's always such a pleasure to see Bob on these learning trips. So, Bob, could you please introduce yourself? Hello, yes, uh, I'm Bob Zellner. Um, I grew up in uh, L.A., Lower Alabama, (laughs) and uh, I'm very happy to be here with Julia and all of the people from Common Power, and my beautiful bride, Pamela Smith-Zellner. Pamela, um, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself to the podcast? Hello, my name is Pamela Smith-Zellner. I'm Bob Zellner's wife, and I love Common Power, and I'm so excited to see these young people taking leadership positions. It's, um, it's the fruition of the work that we've been doing our whole life. Thank you, and Pam is very much also an American hero in her own right. She's done a lot of work, which we'll um, ask her about very soon. So, Bob, you have a really interesting identity. Uh, You were born and raised in the South. Um, Your father was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Would you be willing to share with the the listeners a little bit about your background and history? Yes. uh, My father grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, which uh, during uh, the Martin Luther King uh, days and the early SNCC days was known as uh, the... Johannesburg of uh, America, the most segregated uh, city in the whole United States. And um, we're we're now in uh, the middle of Montgomery, which is surrounded by all kinds of um, American and civil rights history. And uh, I was very uh, blessed that my father was able to uh, break away from the Ku Klux Klan Uh, when he became a Methodist minister and uh, it made uh, my life a lot uh, easier because I wasn't taught uh, racism as a small child and um, when I got involved in the civil rights movement full-time with the student nonviolent coordinating committee SNCC I had the support of my mother and father Unlike my father, who, when he broke with the Ku Klux Klan, uh, his mother and father uh, disowned him, and his brothers never spoke to him again in his whole life. Uh, So I've been here in Alabama long enough to see an incredible change brought about by the Civil Rights Movement, and uh, here in Montgomery, especially by the Equal Justice um, uh, Institute, uh, EJI, and um, the Civil Rights Movement is transforming Alabama, and uh, 
improving the economy of Alabama as they welcome uh, people from all over the world and all over the United States to come and see all the museums and the history that's uh, here in Montgomery. So when we uh, travel to Atlanta, Georgia, and Montgomery, Alabama, we cover a tremendous amount of the um, history of struggle against racism. And uh, working with the youth as we do, uh, you, Julie, and other uh, young people are determined to um, turn our history away from a history of genocide and racism to one of brotherhood, sisterhood, and love. And uh, one thing I've learned about the, um, about the world from um, people that I've worked with and gotten to know, like uh, Martin Luther King and Ms. Rosa Parks, and that is that uh, sisterhood and brotherhood is not so wild a dream as those who profit by postponing it pretend. So I think we're, um, sometimes it looks like we're going in a very backward direction, but I think we're going in a positive direction and we're going to make a major change in this country and the world. Thank you, Bob. That was beautiful. So, Bob was Bob. You were the first white field secretary for SNCC, right? So, how old were you when you joined SNCC? How did you How did you come to, about to join the civil rights movement? Well, it really started here in Montgomery. Um, I was going to follow in my father's footsteps and be a Methodist minister, and our church school is here in Montgomery, and. Um, after graduating high school in 1957 in Mobile, I came here to Montgomery to Huntington College. And uh, that's when I was able to meet uh, some of the early uh, leaders of the civil rights movement. And they influenced me greatly as a young person. And uh, they welcomed me into the movement, even though I was a white Southerner. Um, and. Uh, uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee under the leadership of Ms. Ella Baker and uh, the local leaders here like uh, Martin Luther King and Ms. Rosa Parks were very much in favor of uh, young people, black and white, getting together and um, going further together. So we've gone a long ways and we have a long way to go and we're doing it very happily. Thank you, Bob. Could you tell us of your first kind of encounter with the civil rights movement? Was it a meeting with Ms. Rosa Parks? Was it with MLK? What was your first encounter with the movement? Well, my first encounter with the civil rights movement was when I was still in high school in Mobile. And that was the, the, first, the time the first black student went to the University of Alabama, uh, Miss Authorine Lucy. And there was tremendous discussion among all the uh, Alabama young people about what it meant to um, go from a, a period of segregation uh, to a period of desegregation and integration. So uh, my first encounter was uh, in discussions with my own high school students about the um, the value of getting away from a segregated past and going into a, a beloved community of the future. So that was my first uh, uh, relationship to the civil rights movement. And uh, that's why I was so excited when I moved to uh, Montgomery to go to college that I was able to meet uh, 
uh, some of the early leaders of uh, not only the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, but SCLC, Dr. King's organization, and um, began to work with uh, people from the NAACP. Um, and I was just, uh, I was extremely grateful to be um, invited in and uh, welcomed into the Civil Rights Movement. And, um, to become the first uh, white Southerner to be a field secretary of SNCC was a high honor. Yeah, so Bob, it's really interesting. So you were, you were really the first white Southerner to break away from, you know, the systems that were in place at the time that supported segregation, that supported racism. Do you, what do you think, was so, it's, what is so different about you, Bob? Do you think it was the way your parents raised you? Did they teach you to value people regardless of the color of their skin? Or what, what made you different? What made you decide that you didn't want to live in that system anymore? Because you very easily, as a white Southerner, could have continued to live and benefit from that system. Well, uh, Julia, I think that one of the uh, things that was or most influential was the fact that my father had been able to make a tremendous journey from the Ku Klux Klan and when he broke with the Ku Klux Klan he began to work with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and um, um, all of the uh, black ministers in Alabama who were working to uh, do away with segregation and um, that was a great example to me, and it, uh, it made it easier for me, I think, to uh, be the first uh, white Southerner to be a field secretary for SNCC. I wasn't the first white Southerner to be involved in the, in the movement. There have always been uh, people, uh, one of my, my great, uh, I'm a great admirer of John Brown, and John Brown uh, felt so strongly about slavery that he gave up his life to end slavery. And then we went through that terrible civil war. And um, another lesson that I've learned in the movement is that freedom is a constant struggle. You don't win it and then you don't worry about it anymore. Every generation has to win the freedom struggle. Every generation has to win its own freedom. And uh, that's why it's so exciting to work with Common Power and shirts across America for high school students to see that um, there are new generations coming along that uh, really believe that uh, a beloved community is possible and they're working to make it happen. Yeah, and that's one thing that we do at Common Power is we uplift next generation leaders um, so we can continue the amazing work that you've done. So, Bob and Pam, I understand that even now, um, throughout your whole life, uh, you've both been activists. Um, Pam, I'd love for you to share with our listeners some of that work that you've done um, in your life. Yes, well, I was um, one of the uh, original members of the farm community in Summertown, Tennessee. Um, and we were an intentional, spiritual, vegetarian community. We had we started in San Francisco, and we 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 didn't share the values of capitalism. We wanted uh, we, we wanted uh, we were ecologically minded, 
and we wanted to we wanted the opportunity to create a, a new uh, community. So um, through by way of a, a process, we ended up in uh, Tennessee. We bought a thousand acres and uh, landed there in 1970 and established this community. And what I was what I've been involved in has been uh, in reproductive rights. Uh, we established a uh, school of midwifery in, in Summertown, Tennessee, and people would come from all over the world to our farm, and they still do, as a matter of fact, um, to, to have their babies in a natural environment with midwives. Um, and so, th so that's still going on. And one of the things that uh, I was very much proud of that our community did was it, when the debate about abortion first became public, we believed that it was a woman's right, that a woman had a right to make choices about her own body. But we also believed that women didn't have enough options. You know, back then, women would be disowned from their families, they'd be shunned and thrown out of their home if they were pregnant. They, you know, they had to have abortions in very dangerous situations. And so what we did was our head midwife, Ina Mae Gaskin, she got on the airways, the radio back then, and um, she said, listen, if you are considering having an abortion but you're not sure that that's what you want to do, come to our farm and we will provide you with prenatal care we will deliver your baby we'll provide you with postpartum care we'll give you a place to live all free and then if you decide that you don't want your baby which is rarely the case because usually when a woman gives birth to a child and she sees that child she wants that child um, but if you, for some reason, are not able to take care of the child, somebody in our community who's not able to have a child will raise your child. And if you ever want the child back, we will, we will talk to you about that. We will, we will, if, you know, if we feel that it's in the child's best interest, we will definitely give your child back to you. And I was just really proud that we gave women another option because we didn't have very many options. Yeah. That's fabulous. I, I definitely think um, your work in reproductive care and women's rights um, has surely changed uh, the climate of it in America. Absolutely. And I, I love, um, I love just giving women choice, especially um, right now in the aftermath of um, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I think a woman's right to choose is more important than ever. So thank you for doing that work. So, so how did you get involved in the work of women's rights and reproductive rights, um, Pam? When, when we landed on the farm, um, our teacher, his name was Stephen Gaskin, and his wife, Ina May, um, she was very much interested in natural childbirth because her first child was born in a hospital. She lost that baby and she believed it was due to malpractice. So she, she was studying to, to be a midwife and fortunately, we were very fortunate because when we, when we got to Summertown, 
there was an old country doctor named Dr. Williams, and he, de he delivered Mennonite babies, and they had all their babies at home. Um, and he was writing a medical paper about how he believed that natural childbirth, home birth, done right, was much safer than hospital birth. And one of the things that I'm really gratified about right now is um, after I left the farm, I started one of the first uh, doula services in the country, in, in Colorado. Um, but I, I, it had a it didn't it didn't catch on the way I hoped it would with with our white community. But I'm uh, I'm a part of a group of women now. It's called uh, Postpartum Awareness, and it's a, a a group of women that get together and uh, support reproductive rights. And most of them are women of color. And so not only is it are there a lot of um, dangers involved in giving birth in hospitals now in the United States, but for black women and women of color, it's especially dangerous. And I'm really excited because the, the women of color that I've been interacting with, they've really taken this on and uh, reproductive rights, and they're forming all sorts of, of groups and organizations to promote natural childbirth and doula services, and they're really they're really owning it and, and uh, t taking taking their power back from the medical establishment, and it's really exciting to see. That's fabulous, and that's really exciting for me as a woman of color um, to hear that there's this movement going on. So thank you so much. So we are on a learning tour, um, so we're going to have to wrap up here. But thank you both for chatting with me today and introducing yourselves. Um, I would love to have you back on another podcast to hear more of your stories. But thank you both so much for your activism work, um, all the way from when you're young, all the way to now. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're a wonderful Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Bye, everyone.